0: The second piece of a community design plan is what we call a year in the life. And that's basically answering the simple question, where is your student or where is your member a year from now?
1: Hello and welcome to The Art of Selling Online Courses. We're here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is John Ainsworth and today's guest is Gina Bianchini. Gina is the CEO and founder of Mighty Networks and the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of the new book Purpose, Design and Community and Change Your Life mighty serves entrepreneurs creators coaches and brands with a new breed of cultural software designed to make community courses and memberships more engaging and profitable platforms trusted by brands from yoga with adrian to ted MindBody, and fortune so today we're going to talk about online course communities why they're important how they can help your clients how they can help you to make more money when to use them and how to build a great community now before we dive into our interview with today's guest i'd like to ask you for a quick favor the only way that podcasts like this tend to grow is through word of mouth. So if you found this podcast useful, please let one other person know about it or share it in a group. That way we can spread the word about interviews with amazing guests like Gina and help more people to grow their online course business. Gina, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Now, I'm going
0: wanna... to spread this to two people. Is two? I'm going to do. do two Madness. people. but Because uh, <laughs> I think that that is a very fair ask. Very fair ass, John.
1: So I just want to dive back into the past a little bit before we get into the uh, the proper interview. Sure. You had led the team building Ning back in the day. That's right, I isn't did. it? I used to use yes. Ning. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how many people listening remember Ning, but that was like, that was the one to use. If you wanted your own community back in, when would I have been doing it? 2009, something like that. That was okay. the thing to use. Yep. Nice. So I've got a lot of um, a lot of friends who and clients who use Mighty Networks. People speak really highly about it. Um, and one of the things, obviously, that you're really big on, the whole kind of philosophy, the ethos, is around community. So for those people who are listening, a lot of the guys listening, they've got courses that are relatively cheap. They're like $500, $300, $250, a lot of this kind of thing. And they often don't have a community that goes with it. So can you talk through what's the benefits of having an online community?
0: Sure. Sure. So first and foremost, you know, why do you have a $500 course and you've set it up as content only? Typically, it's because you have an interest, a passion, a goal, an area of expertise, and you turn to online courses to set up a passive income stream. Sort of the goal there is, okay, I'm setting something up. It's going to run itself. I'm going to focus on upfront sales of that course and a community kind of sounds hard. So that typically is the starting place if somebody has a course, but not a community. So then what happens? So what, what tends to happen at that point is then that person's like, huh. I am really struggling to upsell additional courses or other things or create a recurring income stream for myself uh, around my expertise. And I should probably add a community. So a community, again, we've always had communities. It's like chocolate and peanut butter. They just go together. A course in a community. Why? Because we've gone to school with other people. The, the, the peers that we have in class are typically more important in terms of absorbing material, applying material, turning material into daily practices or things that really allow us to build new habits in our lives or to take knowledge that then we can go and apply. And so it's worked for schools for many, many years. It's worked for communities for many, many years. We as human beings are social beings. We are meant to live, operate, and work in communities. And so when you then add a community, what tends to happen is so you have your course on one platform and then you're like, okay, well, where am I going to build a community? Well, I'm not going to get fired. No one's going to be being mad at me, at least in the past for starting a Facebook group. And then that sort of evolved to, okay, no one's going to get mad at me if I have like a Slack team, even though it's not really supposed to, like it's, think about it as like off-brand. It's like an off-brand community. It's not built for community. It is not built for people, especially who don't know each other. So there are some limitations, but it just doesn't feel like you're going to get in trouble if you start a Facebook group or you have a Slack group as well. And so that has emerged as the main way of people creating courses and then courses and course community. So let me share the Mighty Networks story here. So as you mentioned, I've been working in this world of online communities and really how online communities bleed into IRL in real life. That was really where we started with Mighty. So we had from day one of Mighty Networks, the ability to have your communities on mobile apps as well as your, being able to upgrade to your own mobile apps which is a pretty big difference from anything else out there course platform or community platform so we started with a fundamental passion and belief that when you put community at the center of the things that you do whether that is an online business whether that's an, a product business or whether that is an online course whether that's a podcast whether that is a series of workshops, whether that is an organization that you are going to create, whatever that thing is, it's going to be stronger. It's going to have more loyalty. It's going to grow faster because guess what happens in a community? You have word of mouth. It's natural. People talk to each other. And what was fascinating, and this is the thing that surprises me, because I was not expecting this, you know, I did not come from the world of online courses, but what we found were the early adopters of Mighty Networks who were starting to use Mighty instead of Facebook groups or instead of Slack teams. They were like, Gina, Tom, Tim, like, that's my team. Why don't you guys just build online courses directly into Mighty? It just makes sense. And so what we did, we were like, okay, that's kind of weird, but okay. Why don't instead we start by making it really seamless to integrate links and and moving back and forth between platforms like Kajabi or Teachable. And so that's really where we started. And we did that. And then folks were like, that's great that you did that, but that was not what we wanted. What we actually want <laughs> is for you to build online courses into Mighty. So we did, and it changed everything. So today, Mighty Networks is really a pioneer, and I don't say that lightly or in a lame way, although it probably might come off as a, as a lame way. But we are a pioneer in how to bring community and courses together. Now, some of our hosts, as we call them, or instructors still use other platforms with Mighty. That's fine. Not a problem. But what we have found over time is that once you create a course community where your courses are on a different platform, very quickly, you see that same thing that those early adopters saw which is, well, wait a second, if we can pull our courses in, we're going to see a couple of really key benefits. Number one, people finish your courses. And when people finish your courses, again, in that set it and forget it kind of way, guess what happens? They're hungry for the next course. And now you don't have to be marketing your course to brand new people every time you want to generate revenue, but you can actually create what we call a value journey. Here it is a value ladder, whatever you look at it, where you can bring people into that core idea of what your area of expertise is or what your intro course is for. And then you can offer them a way to stay involved in a really immersive experience. So that might mean a couple of different things. It might mean that you then offer a paid membership for alumni of your course. It might mean that you introduce a second course that is the next course in the series. It might also mean that you do both of those things or even launch a certification so that you have a train-the-trainer model.
1: All of these things
0: are possible when you bring community and courses together in something that is designed for Expanding and growing when you are ready. And that's really a key key piece of this.
1: So what I'm hearing from you, kind of a few things. One is people learn better when there's that kind of social element to it. Second part is people are then more loyal, they have a stronger connection. So you get more word of mouth, so you grow faster. And the third is because people have had a better experience, it's easier to upsell them into kind of the next stage. Okay. So I want to come back to like Mighty network specifically and kind of how that works, yeah. but like from the point of view of just like imagine someone's using, you know, what you would see as subpar uh, setup. You know, they've got their Facebook group or the Slack group. No below. judgment,
0: no judgment. So, okay, slight judgment. Slight
1: judgment. <laughs> <laughs> what do they need to have in place for it to like count as an online course community? Like, what some of the elements that that a community should have to it?
0: Yeah. So. Let me add one more thing to your list from, okay. from There's one more benefit. And, and this is one that I learned in a way that I was like, oh my gosh. So when you have a a course community and you have sort of a you know a cohort, you know, mm-hmm. the the movement afoot around cohort courses. Here's the other benefit of it. It's so much easier to build valuable course content. Here's why. When I launched my course, community design, design a community, so valuable you can charge for it and so well-designed, it essentially runs itself, which we'll get to in the question that you just asked. What I found was I delivered my course content via live streaming, and when I gave it to people live, I knew exactly what worked. I knew exactly what didn't work. This is just something that, you know, as more and more people are in, in discovering the power of online courses to not just build a business, not just build a passive income stream, but also create change and transformation in other people's lives, which is really cool. Like when you can do that and make money, that is a North Star for so many of us. And so you can actually build much more compelling experiences and course material when you are doing it live, at least with a small cohort as well. So coming back to your question of, okay, well, what do you need to have in a, let's call it a Facebook group, please? Like of all the different things that you can use. Facebook groups are the most challenging. So the reason people use Facebook groups in the past was, oh, well, then I can pull people in, you know, from Facebook. Facebook Mm -hmm. will send people my way. So number one, if you are building a course, they need to buy the course before they're going to be in your Facebook group. So right then and there, you have actually a motivation to potentially create a community that is independent of Facebook. You're not Mm -hmm. going to get the most out of Facebook. Number two reason, Gina, you don't understand if I have a Facebook group, it means more people are going to interact with my course community than they would if it's on Slack or if it's on Mighty. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the problem with that is kind of, the, the answer is sort of, because what happens on Facebook groups is that people experience it through the lens of an algorithm and a single post in your course community. No one's going to your course community on Facebook. They are seeing a post from your course community. What typically is the post? It's something that is outrage. Somebody's mad at you. Like it's just all sorts of, of less than ideal things. So mm-hmm. for this example, let's talk about, Let again, let's We don't have to use Mighty. This doesn't have to be a commercial for Mighty. Let's use Slack. So you set up a Slack group. And what do you need to have in it for it to be a compelling course community? So number one, it needs to serve a purpose. What is that purpose? Well, it it has to have that promise of, of letting somebody know why going to that course community contributing to that course community is going to make them more effective, smarter, better, meet cool people It has to have results associated with it. Now, the reality is somebody is much more likely to finish a course and therefore get the most value from that $50 or $500 course if they are taking an action at the end of every one of your lessons. And so if you can incorporate the community element into your course by saying, okay, this is the action for this lesson. We call it a spark sort of setup where you have a subject, you have people's stories or, or, or case studies, you have an action, you have a result from that action, and then you have knowledge that comes out of that result and that action. Spark. And so what you have is this ability to create a container for people to... Contribute their actions. So, to take an action and start to interact with each other. And the main thing with a community, and this is something that I think is surprising to people when they talk to me about community, is the last thing you want to do is have a bunch of rules up front. Like, this is how we treat people. People will treat each other with respect, especially when you have the goal of results and transformation in their lives, which hopefully your course is there to help them do at any price point. But what you want to do instead is say, here's how we interact with each other here. Here's our culture in this course, in this community. This is going to be how you get the most out of it. And when you start with that, here's our culture, here's our guide. For example, DM other members and we'll all make an agreement that as you join this community, that people are going to respond to DMs or that, you know what, we don't really use DMs here, but we use these four channels. They're public channels. You can share different messages and this is the best way to get in touch with us. But the more that you can create culture and norms and be explicit with people online this is a really important thing. Most people sort of assume everybody shares the same culture or that like the most important thing is to prevent bad behavior. The simplest way to prevent bad behavior in communities is by giving people something good to do. Mm -hmm. Hey, here's what we do, giving them a path to be successful, giving them a path to look great in front of strangers. Now, again, Slack, for example, is set up, for people who already know each other. It's not actually easy to get to know people in Slack. That is a a nuance and it's important, but you can still use it. I would just add here that this is something that we've paid a lot of attention to at Mighty, which is how do strangers meet each other? But what you want to do is really think about the kinds of interactions that you want your members to have. We talk about it as the community design plan. And so a community design plan has five pieces to it. Number one, it has that purpose. We call it the big purpose. Why are people going to come? Now, again, because you're starting with a course, you're starting with like a really great foundation. But most people that are going to be showing up, actually all people who are going to be showing up to your course community, have the context of all that hard work that you did in terms of marketing, in terms of getting them into that first section or that first lesson, setting that culture and really reinforcing the results and transformation someone is gonna get from your course. And then how that falls into and translates into your community, really nice, really easy once you have those things. So that's your big purpose. The second piece of a community design plan is what we call a year in the life. And that's basically answering the simple question, where is your student or where is your member a year from now? What can they do a year from now that they can't do today? That is the simplest way to sharpen your focus on what results and transformation they're going to get from your course. Now, somebody might have a course here where they're like, Gina, my my course is about how to learn to play three simple songs on a piano. Great. That's still something that they're able to do a year from now that they're not able to do today. That's why they purchased your course. That's why they purchase memberships. That's why they attend events or hire a coach. All of these things is because they have a desire or a motivation to be able to do something a year from now that they're not able to do today. The final three pieces of community design make running a community super simple. Number one, monthly themes. Monthly themes are great because it makes your life easier and it makes your community more memorable and the value that your community provides more memorable to your members. It gives them something to talk to each other about. And it's really easy to set up and you can just put it on autopilot. Number two is a weekly calendar. So this just might be, hey, welcome to our course community. People are going to be going through this course at different times. But on Tuesdays, Tuesdays are our action day. Tuesdays are the day that if you're just getting started, that you want to post your next action. And when you post your next action, other members are going to get notified. And it's going to be great because they're going to come in. They're going to give you feedback. They're going to basically celebrate your progress. Third piece and final piece, I guess. So that's actually the fifth piece and final piece is what we call daily actions.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: you may not want to do this if you're like, Gina, I have this dialed in. This is all about passive income for me. Fine. You can have four elements of your community design plan. <laughs> but this is actually an area that's going to get automated in some really cool ways with new technology. But a daily polar question, something that brings members back, something that allows them to meet each other, something that allows them to share Their stories, experiences, and ideas. These are the things that bring your community together and creates it, creates the conditions for it to become self-organizing. So those are the five pieces of, of community design. You set these up, you get actually the big purpose and the year in the life, right? More and more of your community will run itself.
1: Right, so we had purpose, year in the life, monthly themes weekly calendar and daily actions purpose is about setting the culture and how that translates into community year in the life is where's your student going to be one year from now what can they do that they can't do at the moment like basically why did they buy your course what's the overall transformation monthly themes things to make it more memorable make it more useful give something to talk about they're quite easy to set up I'm guessing next year you probably just reuse this year's monthly themes yeah weekly calendar for example, Tuesdays are action days, so like things that they might do each day of a certain week. You know, here's what you do on Monday. Here's what you do on Tuesday. Yeah. And then daily actions is about a daily puller question, something to pull them in, get people to share their stories, experiences, ideas. So that's kind of getting them really taking part. And it sounds like they're kind of almost in order. Like you need to have purpose and year in the life the most, and then the rest is like it, is improving it. But you could cope without if you had to. You wouldn't ideally, right. but you had to. Okay. Yeah great all right cool so if you set all of those things up that really helps you to have that community that is then almost running itself because you've got everybody interacting with each other as a big part of it nice okay so then the next thing I wanted to ask you about we kind of covered some of it already was like what's the pros and cons of different ways different like software for building a community obviously you know, in your opinion, the best way is mighty networks. But <laughs> we've talked about Facebook groups a little bit. Facebook groups really pee me off. Oh no, wait a minute. This is my podcast I can throw on here. Facebook groups really piss me off. I hate going on Facebook. I hate it. I'm like, I try and spend as little time on Facebook as I can and then I'm asked to go back on there again. I just started a new gym and they're like, it's all super community based. It's like a CrossFit gym. And they're like, Oh, we've got a Facebook group. I'll add you to it. I'm like, Oh no. You know to expect me to you go can on give there. Them, I- You can give
0: them my email address or phone number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or you can give me theirs. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So Slack, better, but the downsides it sounded like were, it's not really set up to get to know new people. So what does that mean? That is the blockage to getting to know new people in Slack that's easier, you know, somewhere else. And is there any ways to make it, if someone's already using Slack and they're like, I'm not going to change, is there any way they could do that better?
0: Yeah. So first and foremost... There's nothing automated in Slack that is designed to help you meet other people. So Mm -hmm. for example, just in contrast, some of the things that we built into Mighty, number one, members near you, members like you, members who share the same interests. These are all things that members are prompted for that, for example, one of the features we built into Mighty is a automatic way to be able to see a member's different activities, different spaces is sort of our equivalent of channels that a member belongs to, and the different ways that you can sort of see members before you interact with them. So that is a fundamental design decision we made because we're building communities. Slack is built for small teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're doing great stuff to sort of try to scale to the enterprise, but they, they're not built for strangers. They are built for people who know each other. And you see this in terms of like, okay, who is this person? Like, where, where are they? What, who, what, huh? And then the other challenge is things like, how do you drive engagement? So something else that we built into Mighty are things like polls and questions. Want to know the most, Popular set of features on a mighty network? Mm -hmm. Those questions. And it's the best way for people to be able to contribute their stories, ideas, and interests, experiences. And then those are the things that start conversations. Very difficult to do in Slack because Slack is designed for fleeting chat. And you're like, okay, wait, where did that thing go? On a mighty network? That is not the case. Now, from an administrative perspective, there's also something else, which is you lose things on Slack. So, especially like you cannot afford to have and pay for a hundred seats on Slack, like mm-hmm. because they charge per seat.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So you use the free version, which is pretty limited. Again, a Mighty Network is set up for unlimited, like large communities and people who don't know each other. So we have unlimited members. We have unlimited hosts. We have unlimited moderators. We have unlimited spaces, which are sort of our equivalent of channels. And then you can build, this is really pretty awesome, if I don't say so myself, unlike Slack, which is just about chat, you can have actually a lot more features in a mighty network. So for example, you can choose in any space to put no features or up to nine different features. And those features are a simple web page. Again, you can't do that in Slack. An activity feed. So much more like your own Facebook, not even a Facebook group, but your own Facebook so that you can have posts and events and all the different things in a space that is only for that particular course or that particular membership. Then you can have your course materials or what we call a table of contents, and it can be visual and it can be right there. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Then you can have a single event. You can have uh, an event series. You can also have discovery or sort of gamification, so leaderboards and things like that, all within the same, again, if you know Slack, a channel. Now imagine Slack with like a a, a specific Slack channel with like a leaderboard and events and polls and prompts and questions in addition to chat. That is a Mighty Network, which is why we are seeing very high profile course creators moving from that combination of say Kajabi and Facebook groups or Kajabi and Slack to Mighty because they realize that when you want to build really that value journey for people. And you want to do it in the simplest, easiest way where the value is not just in what you're producing, but what other members are doing together that you you kind of need to have all these things together. One last thing that happens sort of from a course perspective. So on a Mighty Network, in one of those spaces, you can have a course, just your course content just like you would have on any other platform like Teachable or Kajabi or Thinkific. And for, let's say, a free intro course, that might be perfect. Do that. Then you can have that next course with the course material, the community, events, the ability to go live and live stream your course content that then becomes a new section or a new lesson all in one place and then charge for it. So the other thing that you can't do with either Facebook groups or Slack is actually charge for that particular space or a set of spaces. You have to set up a cart somewhere else. Typically you'll set up your cart on Kajabi or Teachable or Thinkific, like where you have your courses. And then, But you still have to get people into your course community on Slack. So then you have to buy Zapier to do zaps between the two. You don't have to do any of those things when it's all in one place.
1: If people heard this and they want to get some more of your wisdom or they want to learn more about Mighty Network, where can they go?
0: Funny enough, we have a website. It's called MightyNetworks.com. And we talk about all this stuff in one place.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Gina, for coming on and talking about this. I have learned a huge amount, including the fact that chocolate and peanut butter go together, which I had never heard before. I don't know if that's an American thing.
0: Reese's peanut butter?
1: <laughs> never heard that. Do they
0: not have that in England? <laughs> What's that? A Reese's peanut butter cup? No,
1: never heard of it. <laughs>
0: okay, we are following up on that. I'm going to get your address and send you some
1: Reese's. That sounds good. I'll give it a try. Amazing. Thanks so much. And thanks for listening today. If you found the interview useful, you want to get future episodes, please subscribe wherever you listened and go check out my And share with two com. people. Share it with two people. Yeah. If you're feeling bold. Amazing. Thanks, guys.